On this episode of the I Want to Party with Bob Bobcast. There was these little, it's like these little metal ball things that were used to protect babies' hands, but they were on the other side of a railing and they just came flying at me and landed at my feet. Welcome to episode 103 of the I Want to Party with Bob Bobcast. This episode is part two in the Paranormal Ponderings series of episodes. And this time we're going to be hearing from Maria Wessenauer. Maria is a historian, a paranormal investigator, the force behind Hollywood Exhumed, the vice president of the San Fernando Valley Historical Society, and much, much more. Maria really wears a ton of of morbid and marvelous hats. She really does. The focus of this episode is haunted locations and haunted history, so we're going to be hearing from Maria on those subjects in just a little bit. As with all the episodes in this series, I decided to reach out to an expert, let them do all the talking on the subject. Maria really is an encyclopedia of Los Angeles area, specifically the Los Angeles area, morbid and kind of creepy history all the paranormal goings on that happen in the Los Angeles area. And there's a lot of that in Los Angeles. Before we get to Maria and speaking of the Los Angeles area, what Bobcast episode that focuses on the paranormal, kind of the strange and the creepy would be complete without some mysterious musings from our friend Ivy Boyd. Well, stay tuned. Ivy's going to tell us a little bit about a house in Los Angeles you might be familiar with if you've watched the very first season of American Horror Story. Yes, the Murder House, or as it's known in real life, the Rosenheim Mansion or the Rosenheim House. Here is Ivy with more. What's up, everyone? My name is Ivy, and I'm here to tell you about one of my favorite spooky houses in America, the Rosenheim Mansion, located in Los Angeles, California. In 1902, the famous architect Alfred Rosenheim moved from St. Louis to LA and built his new home in the Country Club Park neighborhood, which later became known as Billionaire Row. Rosenheim's new mansion was lavish and included features like Tiffany stained glass exotic wood finishes, and Italian brickwork. Other luxuries included six fireplaces, a gold leaf ceiling, a solarium, a semicircular library, a cathedral ballroom that was once a chapel, and a high-end recording studio. Rosenheim went on to live in this home with his family for the next 11 years when it was then sold to California's wealthiest man, A.J. McQuarters. Then, in the early 1930s, the home was inhabited by Edward Everett Horton, a wealthy actor. Next, a Catholic order of nuns, the Sisters of Social Service, used the house as a convent, and this was when there was a chapel added to the grounds. In 1994, an earthquake damaged the house, and the nuns put it on the market for $3 million. 
1997, the mansion was then bought by John Gocha and Greta von Steinbauer, and just a few years later, in 1999, the house was declared a historic and cultural landmark. So, this really isn't the spookiest history of a home, so you might be wondering why I'm talking about some random fancy mansion in LA, but the Rosenheim Mansion was also used as a common Hollywood filming location for various TV productions. Some of this includes Alfred Hitchcock Presents, Bones, The Twilight Zone, The X-Files, Dexter, and two of my personal favorites, which is why I'm so obsessed with this house, Ghost Whisperer and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But most famously, in 2011, this home was selected to be used as the murder house for the first season of the hit show American Horror Story, which is where the bulk of the home's fame comes from. When asked about what it was like in the mansion, Evan Peters, one of the stars of American Horror Story Murder House, said about the home, and I quote, It's terrifying. It's a real house in LA that's old and creepy, and there's actually a chapel connected to it. The whole atmosphere there is really terrifying. They built the inside of the house on the sound stages, so you go there and it looks pretty identical. When asked how much they actually filmed there, Peters went on to say, and I quote, We were there for the whole pilot, now just exterior shots. We heard some noises and stuff shooting, but that's to be expected in a three-story house with an attic. It's just a creepy house. It's so terrifying, with that wood everywhere. I would never, ever want to live in that house. More recently, in 2013, the home was sold for $3.2 million to Dr. Ernest von Schwartz and actress Angela Oakenfold, and this is where some slight issues arose. The home was in need of some major updates, like a new roof and updated electrical and plumbing systems. But the biggest annoyance with this house came from the home's fame, and in 2018, the couple filed a lawsuit against the brokers that handled the sale, claiming that the full extent of the home's fame and the sometimes hundreds of daily visitors who crowd outside for photographs wasn't disclosed to them completely. And it's actually much worse than that. It's not just American Horror Story fans out there taking photos. It's also fans who try to scale the side of the house and try to break inside and peek through the windows. They even had a fence put up around the home, but people will try to scale the fence or lift parts up or pull parts down to try and get in. As unfortunate as all of this is, the couple has begun to embrace the home's fame. And on Halloween in 2020, they did a three-day live stream in the home, complete with a company of psychics and paranormal investigators, so viewers could watch and see if anything spooky happened live on camera. They did seances, and some lucky viewers even got to visit the house. 
The owners themselves aren't even big believers in the paranormal or supernatural, so it seems like most of this was done for the sake of the house's many fans who are largely an American Horror Story fan base. But the couple did say that they have had experiences in the house that were odd and unexplainable. For example, a few years ago, while giving some friends a tour of the home, one of them said they saw a butler carrying a tray up and down the stairs. Later, when the daughter of a previous owner came to collect some items left behind, she told Oakenfold about a butler spirit that they used to see as well. And later, an office assistant that applied for a job at the house told the couple another ghostly tale. This office assistant had actually worked in the house while it was being used as a convent and said that many years ago, a rocking chair was brought into the home, but the mover quickly ran out, stating that an apparition had appeared in the chair. The nuns then entered the home and identified the apparition as a sister who had passed away. Other visitors, and the owners themselves, have also claimed that the basement makes them feel uneasy and that they have been touched by unseen forces while down there. Of course, I have to be a Debbie Downer and note that some of the mansion's spooky tales, like most spooky tales, cannot be verified. But regardless of whether this location is actually haunted or not, the fame it has gathered over the last century is undeniable, and it's definitely at the top of my list of places to visit next time I find myself back in LA. And please, if you do visit this house, don't be one of those butthole fans that is loud outside of the home or disruptive, tries to break down the fence if the fence is still there, or tries to scale the side of the house and peek through the windows. Remember that real people are living there, and maybe a handful of ghosts as well, but they all deserve to enjoy their home and have a little privacy. I hope you enjoyed learning about one of my favorite LA locations, and thank you so much for listening. Well, thank you so much, Ivy, for your creepy contribution to the episode. Creepy and awesome, I would say, definitely. Now, for the music in this episode, we've got two songs by the band Zombina and the Skeletones, that frighteningly fantastic band from Liverpool, England. Home of the Beatles, right? Yes, I believe it is, or was, I should say. The first song from Zombina and the Skeletones is titled Walk With Me, and that song will come up halfway through the interview with Maria, kind of a little intermission. The song Don't Go Into the Light by Zombie and the Skeletones will appear at the very end of the episode. There will be links to the band on this episode's page of the I Want to Party with Bob website, which is, by the way, www.iwantapartywithbob.com. Before we talk haunted history in places, why don't we do the... Beer of the Episode. The beer of the episode in this Paranormal Ponderings Part 2 Bobcast is the Astro Zombies Hazy IPA from Plan 9 Alehouse. Astro Zombies is a hazy IPA. It's brewed with oats, flaked wheat, El Dorado, and mosaic hops, 
This one weighs in at 6.8% alcohol by volume. Why don't we give this beer a shot in the head and see how it goes down? Uh, Zombie humor, by the way. Let's try this beer. It's good. I've had this beer many times, and it doesn't get old. It's really good. Definitely an IPA. Great. Yeah. A little fruitiness like you get with your typical IPA for sure. It's very smooth. Oh, it's very smooth. It's like not bitter at all. As you would imagine any kind of zombie to actually be, especially an asterisk. That means like a zombie from outer space. Yeah, that's a, it is a damn good beer. Well, you can shamble your carcass into Plan 9 Ale House and also try this beer. Plan 9 Ale House's address is 155 East Grand Avenue in downtown Escondido, California. You can reach Plan 9 Ale House by phone at 760-489-8817, or you can visit Plan 9 Ale House on the web at www.plan9alehouse.com. Plan 9 Ale House, beer to the people is the motto, or to the living dead, whatever. It's time to hear from Maria. We're going to hear a little haunted history and some stories about a couple of very haunted places that Maria has encountered some very interesting things. So what do you say? Let's get paranormal. Here we go. Welcome, Maria Wessenauer from Hollywood Exhumed to the I Want to Party with Bob Bobcast. Thanks for coming to talk to me, Maria. I really appreciate it. Uh, Thanks for having me. This is what I know about you. You're a historian, is one thing. Yes. Vice president of the San Fernando Historical Society. Yes, San Fernando Valley Historical Society. Yes. Okay, cool. Uh, you have done ghost tours and guides at the Andres Pico Adobe in the San Fernando Valley as well. That's right. Generally speaking, you are more or less kind of a person about town in the Los Angeles area. You explore, document, and investigate historic and kind of haunted or possibly haunted places. How did it all start? How did you get to the point where this kind of thing is your jam? This is what you like to do is the history and also kind of a paranormal history in some senses and a little bit creepy history in some senses as well. Well, I I did a post recently where I said that the term born creepy is kind of overused, but in my case, I think it was kind of, it's kind of legit. Uh, I talked, or wrote about how uh, when I was about three, I had an imaginary friend named Mary Gold, who her father died like weekly. Whoa. Your imaginary friend's <laughs> father know, right? passed away at once a week. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that, is, that is pretty morbid. <laughs> yeah. So I would like come and say to my mom, like, oh, you'll never guess what happened. Mary Gold's dad died. And she would say like, oh, from what? And then I would say cancer. And then the next week it would be, the Hong Kong flu, because that was a pandemic, too, uh, back in the day. So, uh, yeah, I would just, I, I don't know why, but somebody asked me um, if they thought, if I thought that um, Mary Gold was a really uh, an imaginary friend, or maybe she was like a ghost. And I was like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I just remember her, like, I remember talking to her in a specific area um, of my backyard. Like, in my mind, that's where Mary Gold lived. But yeah, that is pretty creepy. That is, and now the first time we talked to you when you were very young, I think you told me around five or so, 
you might have run into the ghost of your uncle who had passed fairly that's, recently. Yeah, too. that's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I was probably about the same age. But, you know, I, my house, like, growing up, we always talked about, like, spooky stuff. Like, everybody in my house, my mom always had, like, you know, old, you know, ghost stories and stuff and stuff that had happened in the family and stuff like that. Um, she never, like, not allowed us to watch scary movies i saw the exorcist at the movie theater at age three. Oh god <laughs> wow. you know what i'm saying yes, i was I like do, I do. all about the original halloween prom night all those horror movies and then like in the 80s i was really about like the 80s horror slasher movies like you know chopping mall and all of those a couple of weeks ago um i was chatting with discount cemetery talking about how horror and has kind of split up into all these different little like subcultures. Yeah, yeah. But for us, it's like we still very much equate horror and punk rockness. Certainly, certainly, sure, sure. Right? Yeah, so oh, yeah. Now there's like, you know, kids on like TikTok or Instagram and all these things who love horror, but you know, they it's it's different. It is. I, I there was know. a vibe to it in the eighties yeah. for sure. I mean, did you go like me? I went to see Return of the Living Dead because of course. 45 Grave and the Cramps had songs in the in the movie and they're punk rock people in the movie. <laughs> we would watch it. I mean, we would rent it over and over again just to get a glimpse of people who look like us. Uh, right. Yes. Yes. Like, see, I'm okay. Well, they're getting eaten by zombies. Yeah. So I'm in a better place than they are. But anyways, yeah. still. <laughs> yes, exactly. So. So there's all that, you know, gr- you know, growing up in the 80s and, and just, you know, being into that whole scene and then like, you know, the spooky stuff. And then um, I've always really liked old Hollywood and um, vintage stuff. And so I think that's kind of part of it. Um, and I would like go for shopping and buy little 60s and 50s handbags. And I'd find like maybe like an old little mirror or a tissue or a ticket stub. And in my mind, I'd always like make up a backstory for it and wonder, you know, who owned this? So I've always had that kind of, curiosity of you know people's lives and so maybe like 2006 ish I really got into buying books that were like Hollywood death and scandal and Hollywood last meals and just anything I can get my hands on and then I would start you know I would if it was like my birthday or a special occasion I would make uh, my husband force him to take me to last meals so let's say you know uh El Coyote in Hollywood was sharing tape last meal. So then I would go for a last meal. Oh, okay. And so, or Dan Tana's was Lana Clarkson. Not, it was Phil Spector's last meal before he killed Lana Clarkson. But so kind of very morbid, but it was like following historic footsteps, you know, certainly historic footsteps. But, and then, you know, I did all like the local tours, like the dearly departed tour, which is all like death and scandal. And all that kind of, so I started getting into that and I had the idea maybe like five years ago to do a podcast in relation to all this. Sure. And it never came about, but I started the page and then I started to, to just like think about like different historical places where maybe I can volunteer. And I knew somebody who had already been at the historical society. Um, so I, I went on over there and I joined and within six months, I became vice president and uh, the vice president's job is to, or one of the many is to handle all events. So I need to find like whatever 
guest speaker is going to be speaking that, you know, on a monthly basis, we have a, a speaker that comes in and does a presentation. So it was my opportunity to then reach out to other local historians or people that I found on, you know, on Facebook or Instagram that were doing cool things in relation to Los Angeles and, you know, get to form a relationship with them and invite them to present to maybe a group of people who would never even know that they existed. Sure. Uh, Like this month, I'm having Jason Horton. He has a really popular uh, podcast called Ghost Town, and he just put out a book on abandoned neon. So, and I've had Craig Owens from Bizarre LA come out and speak. And so just a different variety of people within Los Angeles. And then just building my Hollywood Exhum page, I've just met, you know, it's funny how you can build a community now on, on Instagram. You know, you, you say, sure. oh, my friend, but you've never even met them in person. Right. It's how I met Discount Cemetery. I hosted, so the San Fernando Valley Historical Society oversees the Andres Pico Adobe, but the Andres Pico Adobe actually belongs to Par- Los Angeles Parks and Rec. Ah. But we actually own the Pioneer Cemetery in Selmar, California. And that's where Ed Wood partially filmed Plan 9 from Outer Space. Plan 9, right, yes. So Plan 9 turned 60, and I decided I would do a cemetery screening of Plan 9. And I had, like, vendors come and things like that, and that's how I met Discount Cemetery. And they're they're amazing. Well, Spencer and Colleen, right? Yeah. Yes, Spencer and Colleen, they're, they're, they're legit. Okay, cool. So you've more or less established how you got interested in slightly morbid topics and, and history and that kind of thing. What would you say makes a place interesting to you and worth kind of looking into? Like an example that I would ask about would be, you recently posted about the Ozzy and Harriet house, the Ozzy and Harriet Nelson house in Hollywood. Right. And you did a whole post about it. That was very interesting because I didn't know that Ozzy's ghost might be still cruising around inside of that house. So my point is really, you know, what makes you want to know more about a place where you'll go to it to check it out and kind of write about it on the Hollywood exhumed Instagram page and that kind of thing. Wow. That's a really good question. I get, so the other day I was going to my like now work situation and on the way I stopped and I did two photos at two different locations. And when I was done and got back in my car, it, I had like that really satisfied feeling like I was almost giddy. Like it just makes me happy to go to these locations. Ah, like okay. probably to somebody else driving by, you know, snooping around a location. Um, one of the locations that I did that day was the Little Brown Chapel. And I wrote how Ronald and Nancy Reagan got married there. So I went and snooped around and took photos. And for me, it's like I like to find a location. I go and snap a photo. And then later on, I just start doing a deep dive into the history and see if um, there's anything there that might be interesting to kind of recant in, in a post to people. So you'll kind of have like an idea about it. You know, you'll have like a, an idea that, oh, this place, like you said, the Little Brown Chapel, Ronald and Nancy Reagan got married there. What else is there about this place that might be interesting exactly, as well? Exactly, exactly. And I literally sometimes just be running errands and then I'll pull into a neighborhood and I'll say, <laughs> I'll just go into my Google and say, 
you know, celebrities near me or something like that. Celebrity homes near me and it'll pop up. So then I'll just try and find the house and then see if there's something to it, if there's a good story behind it or plus I have my methods to find things or stories that you've heard, you know, just from other people and then you go and kind of research them, you know, like Bella Lugosi, I just posted one of his houses, but he literally had like 12 houses that he would move around to. I mean, uh, was it- yeah. And this house that I posted was the house. He has a house, had a house in like Toluca Lake, North Hollywood area. Uh, that uh, was very famous. It's the Whipple house. It's, it's, it's been knocked down and apartments have been built over. But for some reason, that's one of the houses that people really always talk about. The house that I photographed is the house that he lived in before that house. And this house that I photographed, it's on my Hollywood Exhumed, he moved into this house because the house prior, he was already having money troubles and lost that house. Some, I, I think I commented to somebody that um, in my research, I found that he moved into this house because he had money problems. But what's crazy is that it's an amazing neighborhood in the Hollywood Hills. And at the time that he moved in, the house was only a year old. So not bad for a broke guy. No, not bad at all. Wow, that's what I was. That was going to be my question. Why did he move around so much? Because you referenced that in your Instagram post. This is Bella, one of Bella Lugosi's many houses, and yeah. it was because he was constantly kind of up and down in the in the world of money, the world of finance. So. Yeah, and that's why he probably had to do Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. I would suspect exactly. For one reason. Poor guy. I yeah. know, I know. Well, and also, you know, the fact that he was buried in the Dracula suit because that's the nicest suit he owned. Right. And people think it's because he was, he was like, Oh, that character meant so much to him, but it's just what you said. It's because that was the nicest suit that he actually owned. That's so, that's so sad. He didn't die a wealthy man, you know, I mean, and maybe not at the time of his death, even that respected in some ways. Well, and I think that people, people, you know, it's the myth, myth, the misnomer that people think that because somebody was in a movie, it's almost childlike to think this, that because you were in a movie or something that you have money. I mean, I just posted about Ken uh, Weatherwax. I don't know if you saw that video. He played Pugsley Adams. So I posted a little video because the other day I went to cemetery where he's buried and I did a little video of like walking to his, to his niche. But in 2017, Scott Michaels from Dearly Departed Tours he has a group, they, they're called the Death Hags, and it's people who are like-minded like me, who are just kind of morbid. And so there's like a little subgroup. But he raised money, um, I think he did an Indiegogo, and raised money to give Ken Weatherwax a proper burial because his, he didn't have money, and his family didn't have money, and his nephew was uh, in possession of his ashes. And so on Halloween 2017, Scott worked with the cemetery and we had a open to the public, a funeral for Pugsley. Oh, wow. And yeah, it was probably one of my best Halloweens ever to be, I mean, come on as a spooky girl to be on Halloween at a funeral for Pugsley Adams. That's pretty like high on my list. If you go on uh, YouTube, it's under dearly departed tours. It should be the video. When you're looking at a place maybe that you have a curiosity about or you'd say, well, hey, I'd like to go check this place out, if it's haunted or if it's supposedly haunted, is that much more of a plus for you or is kind of the history side of it more important? The history first, I would say, 
because if you understand the history, you could understand if it's just an urban legend or if there's something to the story. So, for example, when researching the Andres Pico Derby, what could possibly haunt it, you know, I started from the beginning. You know, what are the stories that people over time have said? Like, what have they reported as far as haunting? During what time? For example, there's one specific thing that's been reported at the Andres Pico Adobe, and that's that in the living room area, there's a specific area where people say that they hear something drop. And it was reported by the Lopez family who lived there in the 20s that they had heard footsteps downstairs in, in, in the living room area, that they had heard something drop in the middle of the night. It sounded like they, they described it as sacks of sand almost. Um, and then Mark Harrington and his wife and lived in the house in the thirties and I found his diaries and he had the same story. Oh, they all reported the same kind of, they all reported the same thing. And then fast forward to the late fifties, they had, um, it was like a YMCA church group, one of those type of organizations that was now, um, using the Adobe for their headquarters or what have you. And a man came into the Adobe for a tour. And he said that when he was a child that, you know, his Boy Scout troop had um, stayed the night there and that they hadn't slept. They didn't sleep the whole night because they kept hearing footsteps downstairs. So now we're going from twenties to thirties to sixties. And it's the same exact story. These people would have no way of knowing that they've all reported the same story over. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's no, no way they were communicating about it or anything. No right. way, no way, no way. And then a few years ago, Craig Owens from bizarre LA came out and did a photo shoot. And when the photo shoot wrapped, we left recorders playing overnight within 20 minutes of us leaving the Adobe and locking the doors in that same area, you hear something drop. You know, so we went in and uh, once we had heard it, we looked around and everything was in its place. Wow. So there's definitely something to, there's something I would say in that area. Sure. Wow. And no objects on the ground or anything like that. Just the no sound objects on the ground. like hitting the ground. I've had two objects thrown at me at the Adobe, but it wasn't that thing.
in reference to the Andres Pico Adobe, kind of what is the story behind it? And what are some things that you've run into there that are that you would say might be interesting, might be paranormal in some ways? Well, we just had Cody uh, from Cody Love 4 and I just had an experience um, that was really crazy. And we didn't even realize it almost seems fake. We were by ourselves and we were in the nursery of the Adobe, which is upstairs. And she bought a brand new spirit box. And so we decided that we were going to go upstairs and do a spirit box session. And we were fiddling with it. And as we were, and we were just picking up way too many different radio waves. It, it, it just wasn't going to work. Right. Mm. So, but we're still fiddling with it. And I said, well, let's just go through the motions and see what happens. Right. And so as I, I think I said something like, is anyone here with us today? And then like 30 seconds later from within the room, not in the spirit box to the left of me by the door, we heard like rah, 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 loud and clear. Wow. So we both kind of like look over, like, what was that? And then like, we, it, it's on my Instagram because you can see that we were both kind of like, what the fuck was that? Sure. We were like, what was that? And so after listening to it, 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 it sounded to me like it said all the dolls, all the dolls. So I said, who's here with us today? And then she, whatever the voice said, all the dolls, which the room is filled with. There's one doll that's like from 1874 in there. Oh my. Yeah. Wow. And you got that on EVP. You got EVP of that. That. Well, it was live. It wasn't even an EVP. It was oh, actually live. Okay. You sure, sure, right. It wasn't something you had to it's, go back later. No, it was like it was like it was like we just we set up the cat. We set up like the phone camera like at the doorway just to like video ourselves like having an EVP session. And then all of a sudden, it's like you hear rah, rah, rah. Like, I was just, we were just both like dumbfounded. Like, what was that? Because it was actually like, and then if you listen closely from the spirit box right before that, you can hear somebody say gracias, which usually when I do an EVP session or something, or, you know, even a spirit box session at the Adobe, I usually ask questions both in English and Spanish because the Picos and even the Lopez family who lived there in the 20s probably would have spoken Spanish both. Sure. So uh, being respectful, I usually try and ask questions both in English and Spanish, but it's just kind of crazy. And back in March, Lindsay, Cody and I had done an EVP session in that same room. And again, we were alone in the house and we were asking questions and live. I mean, not, it's not like it was on, the recording, we can hear a knocking in response to our, to our questions. At one point I even stood up, we looked around to see if anything was like, you know, maybe like a bird at the window, whatever we can think of and nothing. And we kept hearing like a knocking on the wall. But later on when reviewing, when reviewing our EVP session, I believe Lindsay had asked like, do you want to talk to us or something like that? I'm paraphrasing, but sure. it responded. Sure. Wow. And it's very clear. You can hear it say, sure. Did you ever have any activity like that happen? Because you would host ghost tours as, as well at some point in in your history with. I've had just doing, just doing, because I'm a docent there, just having, just doing regular tours. I had one occasion where I had 
was giving a tour to a lady and I had two things happen to me back to back, which I had to play off because I could tell that she got a little freaked out. So I just kind of played it off because you don't know how people are going to react to people either embrace the paranormal or they get really weirded out. Right. Or they think you're just batshit crazy. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of, of us, of a selection of responses you're going to get. Exactly. For sure. So yeah. we were, we were walking in, in like the upstairs area, loft area. And there was these framed posters that were very weighted. So it's not like us walking by would have like brought them forward at all. And trust me after, because I'm, really into this stuff, but I'm the forever skeptic. So I, I always try and find a scientific explanation before I just go straight to go. Sure. But these posters, as I went to walk by, just came like, I mean, like right at me. They just, with force, right at my feet. So, you know, I walk around a little bit, show her a costume room, and as we're going into the bedroom area, there was these little, it's like these little metal ball things that were used to protect baby's hands, but they were on the other side of a railing and they just came flying at me and landed at my feet. And so that kind of really freaked her out. And then I wrapped up the tour and let her go. And I went back upstairs to try and kind of recreate what had happened. And yeah, I could, I can't figure out. There's no, there was no real good explanation of why those, it, there was railing in between, a quilt over the railing. It, it, it's just, it was just, it would have had to, you know, I can't even explain how it could have possibly happened. Like from wind or something like that, right? There'd be exactly. no way for that exactly. to actually happen. And was that during a ghost tour? That wasn't actually a ghost tour. That was just, no, no, it was just a regular tour. tour. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other crazy thing that um, happened recently, and this was outside, you know, you got to think, you know, we've had stuff like we've had a million paranormal investigations there. We've had different things filmed there. We had Christopher Chacon, which is like a really popular paranormal investigator came out. He did something. Um, I did something with Creepy AF. There's been people there and, you know, you do spirit box sessions and you do things like that. But you're almost like, if you do that often enough, you kind of just feel like it's like a parlor trick. You're just kind of like, it doesn't even feel that serious. Sure. It's when you're not looking for it that kind of freaks you out, you know? Sure. Halloween this year, I did a little event, a kid's event there just for like a small group. It's, it's what I do. I'm an early childhood educator. So oh, we were doing a little Halloween thing and uh, the gates were locked because me and the person that I was like hosting the event with were prepping. So nobody else was on site but us. And we were both dressed in traditional like Mexican style dresses and, you know, doing really the whole day of the dead thing. So at the Adobe, we have a headstone. There's nobody buried there, but it's a headstone from a location that used to be a cemetery and we've inherited this headstone. So I said, Hey, let's go back there and do some like spooky photos kind of deal. So we're back there doing spooky photos and we can hear a man and a woman talking. So I said, oh, I think maybe one of the parents had arrived. And then we continued to take pictures. And then she said something in relation to like, oh, we should hurry up because I could hear them or whatever. And then we're snapping more photos. And then we're both laughing because we can hear them talking. And we're like, oh, look at us taking all these pictures. But there's people waiting on us. So as we're walking around the house, I can still hear. I can't hear what they're saying. Like, I can't decipher, like, exactly what their conversation was. But I, in my mind, I even thought it was two specific parents. Like, I had, in my mind, thought it was, like, already made up my mind who was talking, right? Yeah. 
as we come around the house, the voices stopped and she was walking behind me. And so I turned to tell her the gates are still closed. Nobody's here. And as I turned, as I'm telling her, nobody's here. I see her head fly back and her head flew back and she was wearing a flower crown with like a, uh, like a veil. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. we call it a, mant- a mantilla. And it was like halfway now pulled on the backside of her head. Like somebody came up behind her and like yanked on it or something. Yes. Yes. It's almost like I was saying, yeah, there's nobody here. And somebody was saying, oh, hell yeah, I'm here. Like yanked the thing off of her head. Yeah, And that was, and that was outside. So, you know, I don't know if it was like, maybe we were dressed. First of all, it was Halloween. Uh, Number two, we were dressed in traditional clothing of, of, you know, California from that time. Wow. And that's some people say that when you do that, that's what there is a word for it, that it's just like, if you're going to investigate a place where it might be a child, right. You bring trigger objects and stuff like that. That's, that's exactly what like a uh, Craig Owens from bizarre LA. He has a book called haunted by history and he does like hotels. That's like what the book is about. But basically he does uh, photo shoots where he recreates what, the possible haunting was. So let's just, I'm going to make something up. Let's say there was a reported lady in white. So then he'll go in and recreate that in a photo shoot. And usually it stirs something up. When did you decide to get into actual paranormal investigating? Cause I didn't really know that about you via Hollywood exhumed until fairly recently. I saw, Oh wait, wow. She's actually doing, like kind of serious investigations in some ways. It started like maybe four years ago or so, I think about four years ago. It's just, I would be invited with along on other people's investigations or people would come to, you know, people contact me because they know I have the keys to the Adobe. And so they know that they can get in. And so, you know, I just kind of joined in on their investigation and started like learning, you know, different um, methods of investigating and kind of figured out what I think is legit and what I don't and and just kind of went from there. Cool. And decided, hey, this is something that I actually enjoy doing. It's interesting to me. And I think I'm going to going to keep doing this for a while kind of thing. Yeah, it's, it's super. It's super interesting. And like I said, you know, um, I'm really it, I don't know if you notice on on Hollywood Exhumed, I usually say it's been reported or they say And it's because, you know, unless I see something for myself or someone I really, you know, you know, trust, then, you know, it's usually just a story, you know, you're not going to say this happened here. This is a true thing or anything like that. Right. You know, like everybody, everybody says Marilyn Monroe's ghost was seen here. Well, she's a really busy ghost because she's been everywhere. (laughs) She's in a hotel in Hollywood too, right? Isn't that people see her in the mirror in a hotel in Hollywood or something like that? Exactly. Which she's in the mirror at, you know, at the Roosevelt. Yeah. Every single one of those cabanas had a mirror. So how do they know specifically that that was her mirror? It's just impossible. (laughs) Right. Or they would say that Rudolph Valentino uh, haunts the Knickerbocker Hotel. Well, the Knickerbocker was built after Rudolph Valentino died. So why would he haunt there? <laughs> that's statistically impossible, I would say. So yeah. Right. <laughs> so and that's where I said it's history first. It's like going, you know, if if you hear a story, it's just uh, recently Cody and Lindsay had gone up to Table Twenty Nine at Griffith Park, which is famously supposedly haunted by a, a two young lovers who lost their lives while 
you know, doing it on Halloween night and blah, 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 blah. Well, you know, they went up for the curiosity sake, but, you know, I had done the research on that. And yeah, there's newspaper articles, but the newspaper articles are about the urban legends. And they're usually like reprinted every Halloween by, you know, somebody picks it up, but it was a made up story. So there's no legit newspaper article saying that a young couple had been killed at Griffith Park. There would, there would be something legit to verify that that had actually happened and there wasn't. So, so you were able to debunk that part of that urban legend as far as it being a true thing. Yeah. That place is creepy enough on its own it doesn't even need the urban legend do you keep like a running list of places that you'd like to learn more about or or do you even have like a dream location or place that you really want to learn more about learn more of the history learn more about possible hauntings in a place well i could tell you a place that i'd really love to investigate sure that would be the wax museum in hollywood oh hollywood wax museum not yeah, not Madame Tussauds, but the old, you know, janky one that on Hollywood and Highland that Austin Powers foot is like, has like duct tape on it. It's horrible in there. <laughs> wow. Faded glory in some ways, right? Yes. <laughs> that would be, yeah, that would be a dream location. And why is that? What is For it? Sure. What is it about that place that intrigues you? In the early 90s, my friends and I would like get out of work at nine o'clock at night and then we'd go to Hollywood Boulevard to like buy records and then we'd just walk the boulevard and then we would go in there late at night and like play hide and go seek in there and it's just creepy in there Uh, and it's been around forever and there's lots of good stories attached to the place so hopefully that'll be a possibility where I can divulge the stories and, and, and figure out what's happening there so I'm going to ask you the million dollar question. And this question is a rough one. Do you believe in ghosts and, or what do you think ghosts or hauntings actually are? And I know there's a million different kind of varieties because you have poltergeist activity. You have like materialization type of stuff. You know, you have sounds like you've experienced. What do you think it is? I guess I should say. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think that's what makes it so fascinating to me is I don't know because part of me wants to believe that when you, when it's your time, you kind of just pass on to whatever it is you believe in is like the next place. I've personally have had an abnormal amount of people in my life pass on more so than most people, I would say. And I don't feel like th- none of them have come to visit. So I just kind of feel like, hmm, that makes me kind of like a little bit like skeptical of, of what, I mean, I would think that they've just moved on, but then, then you question like, why have other people not moved on? Right. I think something too may just be a stamp in time. I kind of feel like we don't understand dimension so much. Yeah. I can tell you the story that I told you about my uncle visiting Recently, I was talking to my mom about it, and she was telling me that after he passed, one day she came into one of uh, one of the bedrooms in our home, and she saw him painting. When my parents bought our home, he had come over every night to help my mom paint the house to get it ready to move in. Oh, it's like an echo almost. Yes. 
And I just found that to be so fascinating. Sure. And growing up, I didn't tell you about this one, but growing up, we had a, a young woman that we would all take turns seeing in our house. And she was always doing things like sweeping the backyard or making a bed. And she didn't see us, but we saw her. It was kind of weird. Yeah. But everybody in the family kind of took turns seeing her. So we, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to explain. Sure. And that curiosity, would you say like the curiosity of what all these different phenomena could be? Is that something that drives you because it's, it makes it that much more interesting. Yeah. It's fascinating to, to figure out what it could possibly be. I mean, do you have the possibility of, you know, going on and then stepping back in, you know, the other thing that I, this is just my personal belief. I don't think you have to go ghost hunting at night. I know it makes oh, yeah. for good TV, right? Right. but everything that's happened to me, I could tell you has been in the daytime. Yeah. I don't think that they have a watch on the other side. Right. Time doesn't see, I would not suspect that time would matter in any of these I don't cases. think time's an issue. I think that maybe for them, 10 years could feel like it just happened. I mean, we don't know. And so also I would say that, you know, it being daylight out, sure. It makes for good, you know, like I said, a good, a good picture or a good TV or whatever to make it, it spooky. spookier. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah, every single time something's happened to me at the Adobe, we'll say it's been in the daytime. And I've been there at night plenty of times. So nothing's happened to me at night. That's an interesting, interesting thing. So what's next for you? What's next for you and Hollywood Exhumed? You were mentioning a podcast earlier. You might have something going on with a podcast coming up. Yes, Stephanie and I, uh, Stephanie from uh, Wicked Cat Clothing, we're working on a collab for a three t-shirt series. So uh, keep an eye out for that. And also we're working on a podcast called uh, The Real Housewives of Spooksville. Also doing little side stuff with uh, Lindsay and Cody. We'll be out investigating some more. And I can't talk too much on it, but I've been asked to be part of a book in relation to local history. Oh, excellent. In the kind of the valley region of LA, like the San Fernando Valley. Yes, exactly. Fantastic. And I'm super excited and super jazzed about that. So we'll see. We'll see where all these different things take me. Well, Maria, thank you so, so much for talking to me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much to Ivy Boyd for your mysterious musings. Play Nine Alehouse for the beer. Zombina and the Skeletones for the music. And last but definitely not least, Maria Wessenauer of Hollywood Exhumed. Maria is truly an incredible treasure trove of information, knowledge, and stories of the kind of spooky, the creepy, the paranormal. I've talked to Maria twice for the Bobcast, and both times I talked to her, I definitely came out of the conversation very much the richer. Thank you so much, Maria. Links to Maria's various ventures, especially Hollywood Exhumed, will be up on this episode's page on www.iwantapartywithbob.com. If you would like to hear the interview with Maria minus the music and minus my blabbing, essentially my talking, please consider joining my Patreon, which is www.patreon.com slash iwantapartywithbob. You'll find most of the recent interviews I've done on the Bobcast on that Patreon page and more. It's a dollar a month for full access to these episodes. There are different tiers. It costs a little bit more, 
But if you pay more, you actually do get more. I've got some mugs coming up very soon, some very ghostly and cool mugs, new glow-in-the-dark t-shirts coming, that ghost logo once again, and new stickers, all those very special items I just mentioned. Yes, they are really only available if you are my patron on Patreon, at least initially. So don't delay. Sign up today. That's going to do it for this episode. Don't forget, subscribe, rate, and review the Bobcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Here's one last song by Zombian and the Skeletons. This one's called Don't Go Into the Light. Thank you so much for listening to the I Want to Party with Bob Bobcast. of a man.